for all laws, right? The government is not responsible for ushering and garnering you to vote. What they are responsible for is providing the services and tools for you to vote. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, and I'm here with my co-host, Jeremy Holden. Hello to you, sir. We haven't had a chance to talk much this week. I hope things are okay in your world. I understand you're a little bit under the weather, though. Uh, yeah, but I, I will pull through. But it's uh, getting to crunch time here, Mike, and I'm talking about the election. I can't turn on the television down here in North Carolina without seeing commercials about the election. Every news segment is, of course, focused on it. And a lot of that conversation is turning around access to the voting booth. When to vote, how to vote, what are your options to make sure that your vote is recorded and counted, and uh, something we had the great fortune to talk about this week. A really, really important topic, particularly in an election year, and we were able to connect with uh, Dara Baldwin from the Center for Disability Rights. Uh, she's in Washington, D.C., and she uh, is a wealth of information about the voting process and addressed all the questions we came up with around how individuals living with ALS can get out there and vote and, and how their rights are important to be aware of as they think about that process. So let's give a listen back to our conversation with Dara now. We're on the phone today with Dara Baldwin, Director of National Policy for the Center for Disability Rights. Uh, she's out of Washington, D.C. Dara, welcome to Connecting ALS, and thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me, and thank you for the work you do in this field and in this space. Well, thanks. We, we've really been looking forward to speaking with you because, of course, we're rapidly approaching this year's election, and uh, it isn't just the presidential election, though obviously that's the headliner, but there are many city and county and state seats up for grabs around the U.S., and it's important that everyone know their rights as voters. For those living with ALS, many of whom face significant mobility challenges, voting in person can be an intimidating thought particularly when you add in the wrinkle of the ongoing pandemic. As Mike mentioned, we are now less than a month away from Election Day here in the United States. And of course, in many states, uh, the election is already underway with mail-in balloting and some early voting going on. So for people who may have some uh, mobility challenges, some, some motor function challenges, what do they need to know about their rights and, and how do how, what is set up to make the process of voting available to them? Yes, so people know the Americans with Disabilities Act, or the ADA, celebrated its 30th anniversary this past July, and that is where the civil right for disabled people sits and stands in this country. What did that do? Um, people don't believe it, but that is the first time that dis people with disabilities actually got the right to vote, the civil right to vote. Before that, People were barred from voting. If you had a disability, you were barred from voting. People actually, would, there were states who would not allow dis people with disabilities to vote. And so I always tell people because they want to know their rights. And so you have to know the history, right? So the 1876 is the first set of what is called the ugly laws. They were created in San Francisco, California. You would think right a progressive place, but they were created there. And what it said was that if you had a disability, number one, you were ugly. And number two, you could not be in public spaces. Mm. That started the whole process of institutionalizing people with disabilities. And that started the process of removing them from the community. 
So when people talk about the Americans with Disabilities Act, a lot of people think of it as the law that created doors and ramps, right, to make things accessible. And that is not true. That's the 1968 Architectural Barrier Act that did that. The Americans with Disabilities Act provided, and the basis of it, the premises of it, is community integration, right? Taking them out of the institutions, making sure that they are part of the community and giving them their civil and human rights. Mm. So any institution receiving federal funds or any institution in this country had to give people with disabilities their civil rights. And part of civil rights, because of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, created that space for them to make sure they had the right to vote. And so people with ALS, if you have any mobility issues and if you are determined or deemed to be, you know, a person with disability, you have the right to vote in every state, in every territory and on native lands in this country. And it is very difficult for people to understand that, yes, you have a law. It's great to have it. The hardest part is implementing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so that is where we are now. Um, we do, um, now we meaning uh, many in the disability community. So just so you know, you have, I mentioned the SIL, Center for Independent Living. So that's a resource in your state. Then you have what is called the Protection and Advocacy Programs. Those are the civil rights lawyers created specifically for disabled folks in 1976 by Senator Jacob Javits. National Disability Rights Network, NDRN, you can Google them. They are the national organization for the protection and advocacies. Again, there's one in every state, every territory, and in all, there's one specifically for the indigenous Native American community. Mm-hmm. And we, that community, the SILs, the PNAs, and other disability advocates, we survey election centers and polling sites. And unfortunately, even now, 30 years after the ADA, many polling sites are still not accessible to all people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for individuals who do have mobility or muscular functional challenges that may be using a walker or a scooter or a power chair, what considerations should they be making if their preference is to go to the polls in person on November 3rd? What sort of things should they be aware of in those instances? Right. So also, these are good questions. And it's also even more um, imperative, you know, this because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So what we are first telling people is to please follow the protocols for COVID and coronavirus, which is having social distancing, keeping yourself and wearing a mask. Right. Now, right. That is your personal thing that you can do for yourself. Not every state, but many states will allow someone who has a mobility disability, whether you're in a wheelchair or crutches, or if you can't stand for a very long time because mm-hmm. they're going to be long lines. We know this now. We see this at early voting. Mm-hmm. You can go to the front. You walk up or roll up or go up to the front of the election uh, polling site and let them know that you have a disability and that you cannot stand online or sit online that long. And can you vote? immediately. Mm -hmm. Most states will allow you to do that. The way in which you find out is to go to your secretary of state. That is the person who runs your elections in your state or the board of elections. Google it for your state and they will tell you there. Mm -hmm. We are also telling people to be safe in doing this. Another reason we're being cautious is people have heard about um, the poll watchers 
that may be out that President Trump has created his Trump army, right? We're not we're not partisan or any of those things here. This is something he has said. And so you do have poll watchers and you also a part of voter suppression are people who will block the entrances to voters. They will intimidate them with kinds of things they're saying. Unfortunately, we have heard and seen people with weapons. Mm. And so what we want you to know, because that can be intimidating, right? You have a disability, you have a mobility issue, Mm. and you're trying to go to the front and vote. And many people online may not know or understand that. And what we want you to do is understand and know you have that right to do that and to not be afraid to do that. There are also many poll watchers who are there to help you. They will have on a t-shirt, you know, that says poll watcher or something like that. Please go to that person and say, you know, I have a disability and I really want to go to the front, but I'm a little bit intimidated to go to the front because of what's going on here. That's if you see that, that place. And those people will help you. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not just there to do legal. You know, some people think they're just legal eagles or they just answer legal questions. They will also help you with that. They will help you get to the front and they will answer any of your legal questions that mm-hmm. you have around voting. So that is another area to go to. And then finally, we do have what's called election protection. You can also Google that. And they have a hotline number that they do every election. It actually it's up now because we have early voting that you can call for assistance that they will help you and Mm -hmm. just election protection. And it will come up on your phone. And when you call in the 866 number, it'll tell them when you call in, it'll tell them what state you're from. So like if you're calling from Michigan, when they answer the phone, you will get a Michigan person who knows Michigan laws Mm -hmm. that can help you with that to get yourself in there to vote. That's good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And I just want to underscore, Dara, I mean, it's pretty clear from how you laid it out, but it is the voter's obligation to, in most instances, it will be the voter's obligation to ask to go to the front of the line. There's not going to be ushers picking folks out saying, oh, let me help you to the front of the line. It's it's incumbent upon a voter to recognize what their rights are and and make sure that they are recognized and enforced. That is correct. It is the voter's responsibility. And that is, you know, even for all laws, right? The government is not responsible for ushering and garnering you to vote. What they are responsible for is providing the services and tools for you to vote. So a lot of people don't understand it, but you're correct. There won't be. Now, let me not say that because, you know, some some states and counties may be very good at this. Like I'll tell you in Washington, D.C., where we are, because we've been doing this for so many years and our protection and advocacy, the Disability Rights DC is what it's called here, is very, very active. You know, I am a poll watcher and I do do that. Like if I'm out and I see someone who's in a walker or, uh, you know, any kind of mobility issue, mm-hmm. I go to them and say, you know, you can't go to the front of the line. So I won't say it won't happen. Someplace, and if it does happen, it is volunteer. Sure, sure, Not sure. the government, just so you know that. Mm-hmm. That's, That's correct. No. And the... Election protection number is 866-OUR-O-U-R-VOTE, V-O-T-E. That's great. We will make sure that we include that in our show notes so people have that hotline number. Thank you for explaining that to us, Dara. So we've gone over a little bit of, of what it's like at the polling stations. Now, if voting in person simply isn't an option for any number of reasons, including uh, the desire to limit potential exposure to COVID, 
What other options do people have to vote? I know it varies by from state to state. That is correct. Every state is different. And again, go, as I was saying, go to your Secretary of State website or Board of Election website, and they will explain it to you. But we have what's called voting by mail or absentee voting. And they are two different things. Hmm. And it depends on how your state does it or your territory does it. First, you have to register to vote. You must be a registered voter. And those dates are coming up in October. Like Sunday was the last day for a couple of states, Texas. Um, The next big day is Friday. The 9th is coming up, like the state of New York. So also make sure you find out your date in your state. Where's your last day to register? Right. And some states you can't, and territories, you can register to vote on the same day. Like in D.C., you can do that, but you have to make sure that is the law in your in that area. The second part is you some states you have to request an absentee ballot or voter by mail, however they're using it. And that, those dates are coming as well. So please check to make sure you can get that. And then like D.C. decided to mail the ballots to everyone. So you can do vote by mail. I will say this, especially for the ALS community. There are a couple of concerns for us. Many people want to have the country go to full voter by mail, and we say no. If you have dexterity issues, meaning you can't hold a pen Mm -hmm. for a very long time, or you can't, um, on the absentee ballot voting or vote by mail, they have what's called bubbles that you have to fill in. And it's very specific. You have to use a black pen or blue pen, right? You have to follow those directions. But you also have to fill that circle in completely and do not go outside of those lines, Mm -hmm. which is very hard if you have a dexterity issue, right? If your hand is shaking or you can't hold a pen and you can't do that. Because if you go outside the line, when they put it through the machine, it will say null and void. It'll say nope. You know, did you vote for John or did you vote vote for Lisa? Mm -hmm. And it won't know. And it says, nope, they didn't vote. Now, the problem with that is in some states, they do have the law where they say, okay, they look at the ballot and they say, oh, this person meant to vote for Lisa, but that person went over the line. And they will fill out a ballot for you Mm -hmm. and put it through. Mm -hmm. Right? That is only, as you heard me say, some states. Yeah. (laughs) The other states that don't do that, which are, which are a lot, will push that, put it through. It says null and void, and your vote goes in the garbage. It says, mm. okay, sorry, they couldn't read it. So that's a problem for us, right? Because then your vote's not counted. Another reason is you may not be able to do that yourself either. And according to HAVA, which is the Help America Vote Act, which passed in 2007, by Steny Hoyer, that was his bill, that said you had the right to a private ballot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the process to do it yourself. And so if you can't do a, a voter ballot by yourself, then you're asking someone to do it with you, which is not a private ballot. Right. And it's nobody's business who you vote for. Right. We also have some states that make you have a witness watch you do your ballot and sign the ballot along with you. Mm. Now, many disabled folks are living alone. That's what we call independent living. That's why we have it. And they may not know their neighbors, or we are in COVID right now, and they have underlying conditions, and they don't want to go to their neighbor and ask them. They don't, family members are staying away to respect them and to keep them safe. Right. And so how do they get that witness to sign that paper? 
So these are things you have to know before you start voting, which is right now. So get out there and start finding out what the rules are in your state and how we, those resources, the SIL, Center for Independent Living, the Protection and Advocacy Programs, we can all help you so that you can vote. That's that fellowship side of the SIL I was talking about. The Center for Independent Living Fellowship is, you know, a lot of people with disabilities are isolated and may not have family. Like I was just telling you, we get them out of institutions. Some of them never knew their parents, never knew their brothers and sisters. Some of them don't have birth certificates when we get them out of institutions. And so that's the fellowship side of the SIL. You come to the SIL and they have gardening, they have poetry night, they have all kinds of things to keep you active and involved and being in community engagement. And that's also part of helping you vote. Thank you for that. You know, I've been reading a lot lately. I'm thinking back to the conversation around mail-in voting, absentee voting, and I've been reading a lot of concern over making sure that if I am going to send in an absentee or a mail-in ballot that I sign the envelope at the right place so that they can validate that it is me who filled this out. So what are the rights for someone who whose loss of motor function might prevent them from being able to sign that envelope? What, what rights do they have to participate in, say, mail-in or absentee voting? That is correct. And again, it, it, it varies state by state. So most states will either take your mark. Some people can like make an X for their mark. Mm-hmm. And that's that's considered your signature. And the way that signature is verified is that when you register to vote, that is the signature they use. Now, here is the issue and concern for community like ALS. You may have registered to vote before you had ALS. Mm-hmm. And so your signature was much different before you became episodic, right? So you may also sign that ballot and it looks different than the signature you did 20 years ago Uh or five years ago or a year ago. And so that's when you have to contact your board of elections and let them know that you wish to either update your registration by a new signature or you just wish to re-register, which you can do. You can say, okay, uh, you know, like if you move, right, you have a different address, but even if you didn't, you can re-register and say, I need to put this signature on file. Again, these are things you have to do before election time, like right now, get that done now. But you have the right to do that and you have the right to explain. Many people registered to vote at 18 years old, right? You know, not a lot, but I did. I registered at 18 before I graduated high school. My signature has changed, you know, from even me not having any kind of, you know, disability or anything, but I've changed my signature. And so you can change your signature at your registration site. That's where they get it from. But if you can't make this your signature, if you can't, you know, cursively do it, you can also do what's called a mark. It's usually an X. And that's how, but it has to be registered with your board of elections first. Mm-hmm. And then they accept that. There are also some people are using technology where they have iPads, right? And that's how they're letting people vote. And they will allow you to vote on the iPad. Even, sorry, vote by mail is being done through your iPad or through some kind of electronic thing where they'll accept that. And your signature is, you know, you pushing a number or a letter or something that says, yes, that's my signature. Mm. Right. So there are other ways to get around this. If your state is doing electronic vote by mail, 
Not all states are doing that. It's about five states that do electronic vote by mail. Okay. Okay. That's really helpful. Thank you for explaining mm-hmm. that as well. I, I think what we've part of what we're learning is there aren't necessarily simple answers, but it's really important that we take the time to do the research and figure out where we live and what's necessary to get out there and vote or vote from home or vote by mail, whatever is available to you. So thank you for kind of giving us a breakdown of those different options, Dara. Yeah. And you're welcome. And I think it's also important for your community to connect to disability rights community, because that is also where you will find a lot of resources and a lot of people to help to make sure you get to cast your vote. And as we just said, right, not just doing a presidential election. You're going to vote next year. You're going to write you vote for mayor and state, your state, your state legislators, your governor. You vote for your dog catcher some places. Sure. And so you want to make sure you have that relationship with that community. And so I would also suggest that you, you know, you may not connect to disability rights community for other issues, but for voting, we all, like I said, collective liberation, we all have to come together for that. And those communities will assist you and help you to make sure that you get to cast your vote. You get to stay as a registered voter, right? They don't throw out your registration. We've seen that happen. There are certain states where you need ID, Mm-hmm. to vote. Don't forget mm-hmm. that. And we will help you to make sure you can get into DMV and vote, or we have people who will come to your house, right? And do that for you. There are some people who can't leave their home yep. to get that government ID. We we have services and programs that help you to do that, to make sure that you are a viable voter always. Like we want to make sure you that right stays for you. And unfortunately, that burden falls on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that explanation as well. It's it's obviously important to know that there are resources like yours out there available, Dara, and we're going to include a number of those resources in our show notes today. We'll make sure that we capture those so our audience can see those. But this has been really great. Uh, Dara Baldwin, Director of National Policy for the Center for Disability Rights, thank you so much. Uh, for your time today and for enlightening us about things that people need to know uh, heading into the election. Thank you. Get out there and vote, people. Vote 2020 and keep the ADA at your forefront. Well, thank you again to Dara Baldwin for that illuminating conversation. Learned a lot and, of course, uh, front of mind, I'm sure, for a lot of listeners, you know, when someone has any type of motor function challenges, what rights do they have to guarantee their ability to exercise the right to vote? It's an important topic for sure, and one that we will likely address again in some form or fashion before November 3rd. And we are going to put links to many of the resources that Dara mentioned in the show notes, so be sure to look for those as well. That will conclude this episode. Remember that you can find and follow Connecting ALS on Facebook and Twitter. And more importantly, you can listen and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts or at connectingals.org. We'd also love it if you rated us on your favorite podcast app as that helps others discover the show. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter of the ALS Association. Thank you all for listening and we'll connect with you again soon.